Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The book of Jonah again. Yes, you may. Oh, I'm sorry, I knew there was something else. Uh, tell me who it is. Who is it? Bill Cook. Okay, we'll be here for the BYF meeting Tuesday night. So all... Beg pardon? All the churches invited? All right, I didn't know that. All right, so come Tuesday evening for this special evening if you can. This is the fourth message from the book of Jonah. Two more to go next Sunday. This evening I want to begin with the last verse of the first chapter and go down through chapter 2, all ten verses of chapter 2. The last verse of chapter 1, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. And then I said, I am cast out, of thy sight, and yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. And when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own iniquity. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to continue to serve you. We thank you, first of all, for saving our soul, making it possible for us to know that there is a home in heaven prepared for us, that you have assured we shall receive in due time. We would pray, our Father, your blessing upon our assembling this evening. May our hearts and minds be fully turned to you. If there are lost individuals in our midst tonight, we pray the power of your Spirit to be almightily with them. If there are members of, even though they're saved, of this congregation tonight who need to have a renewal, to refresh their fellowship with you, to refresh their fellowship with this church, we pray thy spirit to deal mightily with them as well. 
Our Father, may everything that is done this night and the words that are now preached be according to your will, for we pray in Christ's name. And amen. We've been dealing with Jonah. For those of you who uh, are visiting with us tonight, Jonah, we preached about him last Sunday on both occasions. This morning, I also preached about Jonah. And this evening, I want to continue with preaching on Jonah. Next Sunday, we will deal with chapters 3 and 4 of this episode of a man who tried to run away from God and didn't succeed. And we made the point clear, I think, so far in the messages that there is no man that runs away from God and succeeds in doing so. And many of us are living examples of that very event. Many of us have attempted to run from God and didn't succeed. And we found that as a result of our attempting to run that we were overcome with the storms of life just like Jonah and the people that were with him were overcome by the storm of the Mediterranean Sea just because a man decided, and it could be a woman as well, but a man decided that he was going to take his life into his own hands and do what he pleased, and God would have no say-so. But God does not take lightly issuing a message to his people and his people turning their back upon him. He will not look kindly upon us if... We decide that we know better than God and we do not want to do what he wants us to do. And this was the episode with Jonah. And so it came to the point that the soldiers on board the ship, the sailors I should say, on board the ship finally asked Jonah what they ought to do with him in order that they might have peace now with God that the storm might cease. And Jonah said the only thing that you can do is to throw me overboard. And the storm will cease. Have you ever been thrown overboard? I remember one time when I was in Boy Scouts. That was two or three years ago. I think I was 12. One of the requirements that we had before we could go swimming was to prove that we could swim. Now, I had never dived into a pool of water in my life, but I did know how to dog paddle, and I could make my way around. See, back where I grew up, the creek wasn't deep enough to learn how to swim in. We did that in the bathtub. That was about as deep a water as there was. But I knew how to, you know, dog paddle, and I was determined that nobody was going to call me a chicken. I was going to jump in off the barge like everybody else, except I didn't know what to do once I jumped. And I remember to this very day that I just went straight down. And I didn't know how to come back up. Had the Lord not popped me back up, I would have still been down there. But I remember as I went down and not knowing what to do, I said to myself, well, this is it. Life is over. The first thing I knew, I was back on the surface and there were a whole bunch of arms reaching for me. Well, I rejected all those arms and I proved to them that I could swim the distance that was required. But I never forget jumping off that barge for the first time in my life, never having jumped into a pool of water at all. I can relate somewhat to Jonah's episode when they picked him up and threw him overboard into a storm. And he went down. As a matter of fact, he says he went to the bottom of the ocean. We're not told how deep it was, well, the Mediterranean Sea, to be more specific. 
And I'm sure Jonah must have thought as he went down, well, this is it. My life is over. I have disobeyed God. I have now suffered the punishment, and I'm going to die here in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. That was Jonah's thought, but that wasn't what God was thinking. God had a plan for Jonah, and God wasn't taking no for an answer. And so God made provisions that Jonah would be saved out of the depths of that sea. God has made provisions for many of us to save us from utter destruction of our own self. Because he still has a plan for us. I'm convinced that the Bible emphatically teaches that God has a plan for your life and for mine. Now whether or not we perform according to his plan is another issue. But he is not going to let us off the hook just simply because we say we want off. We're going to have to fight to get off like a fish fights to get off the hook if we want off. For God has outlined a plan for you and for me. Most times we don't even stop to think what that plan is. But he has a plan. He has a purpose. There is a job to be performed. And many a person who should have died by all rights because of the accidents that you have experienced and I have experienced, because of the illnesses that we have had and didn't die, why would it be that we are still alive and have survived? Why is it that some have come out of the operating rooms when they should never have come out? Why is it that some people have survived the automobile accidents when they should never have survived? survived drowning, survived cave-ins in the mines, and on and on we could go. Why is it that some of you came back from the war when you by all rights should have died on the battlefield? Well, we can give all kinds of reasons, I suppose, but I think the bottom line is that God still has a plan and a purpose for our life that has not yet been completed. And he's giving us the privilege and the opportunity to fulfill that which he has laid at our feet to perform. And he's not going to take it lightly simply because we say no. And so Jonah is thrown overboard, and this is the end of the line for Jonah, except God prepared a great fish. Now we always talk about Jonah and the whale. There was no whale in the story of Jonah. You know there's a difference between a whale and a fish. A whale is a mammal. It gives live birth and, and nurses its young, as all mammals do. A fish is an entirely different species completely. God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. People have said that's impossible. There is no fish that has an esophagus big enough to swallow a man. That isn't true. There have been historical uh, situations in which a man has literally been swallowed by a fish and survived the ordeal. One happened in the late 1800s in a, in a fishing vessel in the Atlantic Ocean. A man fell overboard and a great fish swallowed him up. They caught the fish quickly somehow, I don't remember now how, brought the fish on board, cut him open and got the man out and revived him. It can happen, literally. But remember, we're dealing with God and his ability to perform miracles. 
And if there were no fish in the ocean anywhere capable of actually swallowing a man, would not belittle the fact that God prepared a fish that would and could. Now can you imagine that here this storm is going on, the episode is going on there with Jonah and the, the captain and the, and the sailors trying to decide what to do, and all the time there's a big fish out there circling the boat just waiting for Jonah to be thrown overboard because the fish already knows he's coming. For God has prepared him for the specific task of swallowing Jonah just as soon as he gets overboard. And so Jonah goes into the water, and he goes to the bottom, and the old fish, he must have been a carp, I suppose, that sucks things off the bottom, came down and sucked him up and had him inside his belly. For three days and three nights he's in there. You see, the wisdom of God is far superior to any plans of man. It was true. What Jonah said, throw me overboard and the, and the sea will cease from its, its raging. But it was not true that Jonah thought this is the end of my life. For God had other plans for him. See, God knows the end from the beginning. We, talk, we call that predestination. And there are some people who are all mixed up on predestination. And I'm not going to preach about that this evening. But God knows the end of things from the beginning. And all the discussion that we've had informally about whether or not the Lord is going to return today or Monday or Tuesday, as some people think, and uh, there are plenty of reasons to think that the time is right as far as that's concerned. But remember, it doesn't make any difference what man says about it. God has it all planned out. He knows exactly when he's going to do what. And if the God wills that tomorrow morning is the rapture of the church, it'll happen tomorrow morning. And it doesn't make any difference whether a man says it will happen or won't happen. God is not controlled by the whims and the desires of men. God is controlled by his own plans and his own purposes. Now, obviously, the church is going to be raptured. The church is going to leave this world, and it's going to be done in God's time. He already knows the beginning from uh, the end from the beginning, and he knew that Jonah was not going to die in the Mediterranean Sea and drown there, sink to the depths, and that would be the end of it, because God has made a provision for escape. Listen, God has made a provision for every man's escape from the depths of hell, and that's exactly what Jonah called the depths. He called it the depths of hell. God has made a provision for man to escape the depths of hell, and it is the great fish, if you want, that will come along and lift man out of the depths of hell and throw him out on dry land. And sometimes he almost has to be that drastic with us in order to get us to listen. So even though Jonah was thrown into the sea, he didn't escape God. He tried to go to Tarsus to escape God, and he didn't succeed there. And now he thinks, well, I'll just die and escape God, and he can't even do that. Because God is already on the bottom of the sea waiting for Jonah to hit, and a fish picks him up. Three days and three nights typifies Christ again, of course. As the New Testament tells us, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so was the Lord in the depths of the earth for the three days and three nights. Now let's go back and look at Jonah. He's not done yet. 
I'm sure Jonah was scared as anybody would be as those men picked him up and tossed him over the rail. And Jonah begins to pray. When do you and I pray the most? Is it not true that we pray the most when we're in the worst trouble? When you think and I think that we're not going to get out of the situation we're in, we're going to pray hard. Well, we ought to pray hard, but that's not the only time we ought to pray. As someone, I forget now who said this evening about good things and bad things, there are good things that happen and God does respond to our prayers and so on. Listen, God wants to hear from us in good times as well as in bad. He wants to be thanked for the, the things that he has provided us more so that he wants to be requested for the things that we want. Most of the time, if we would divide our prayers into categories, we would discover that the largest category of our praying is for God to take care of our needs. The large category in our prayer ought to be praising God for his blessings to us. Jonah begins to pray. And God heard him. Now I believe, sincerely, had Jonah not prayed, the fish wouldn't have swallowed him. Jonah has to have some part in this episode. But Jonah began to pray. The fish was prepared, but it would not act until God said, get him. The fish had his mouth open, but it would not close on Jonah until God gave the order. For Jonah needed to pray a prayer of repentance, of sorrow for his disobedience to God. And so he prays. Verse 3 says that God cast him into the deep. We normally would think, well, the sailors did it. They picked him up and threw him overboard, but that wasn't the sailors doing it. It was God doing it. God threw Jonah into the Mediterranean Sea. He used the hands of the sailors to do it, but God put him there. Now listen, I think the scripture teaches, again, very emphatically, and I believe firmly, that God uses people to bring us to a point of repentance. God used those sailors to put Jonah in the sea. God uses the church. He uses pastors. He uses Sunday school teachers. He uses our families, people in the community to bring us to a point that we understand that God is dealing with us. In despair, Jonah looked to God. Verse 4, he says, I am cast out of thy sight, and yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. I think this is an amazing statement. Jonah is saying, I know I am out of the will of God. I know it. I can't see God. God has hidden himself from Jonah. But in the midst of his despair, he makes a decision in spite of the fact that it looks like I have been abandoned by God, yet I'm going to turn my face toward the temple and pray. You see, in those days, when they prayed, they looked toward Jerusalem, to the temple. Whatever, wherever they were, their face was toward Jerusalem. That's what Daniel did when he went to his window, when the decree had been made that anybody who worships any other god besides the king for 
space of time will surely be put to death. Daniel went to his window and opened it facing Jerusalem, and there he prayed to God. And here is Jonah saying, I will turn my face toward the temple, and I'll pray to my God, even though it looks like my God has abandoned me. And so down to the depths of the sea he goes. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. Not only was his body encompassed with the water of the sea, he felt that his soul was drowning as well. Not just his body. His physical life was about to go, but he said that his soul was going to the depths of the sea. He says that the sea was closing around him, and he describes in verse 5 that he could feel the seaweed circling his head. He was going to be entangled in the depths of the sea. One of the types of movies that I dearly like are sea movies, when people go down into the sea and explore the old ships. Uh, I just love those, but I almost hold my breath when their cord gets caught and they can't get back out and the seaweeds start twangling around their, their legs or their arms and I can see them begin to be caught. I am fighting that battle with them just as much as they are. And this is what Jonah was going through with. He was fighting a battle when he was sinking. There are people in our midst who are sinking to the depths of hell and are fighting to get out. But there's a way out. Their body can pop back to the surface. Their soul can emerge when they turn their heart and their mind and their soul toward God. That's the way out. Verse 6, he says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. They didn't know at that time that the oceans had mountains in them. Now we know that there are mountains in the depths of the sea. He felt that the earth was about to cover him over. If you feel that way sometimes, like you have sunk to the depths, God's ready to scoop you up. Scoop you up if you turn your heart and soul toward God and pray. Well, he was about to lose conscience. His mind was about gone. He, his body was starved for oxygen. He was ready to pass out. And the last thing that he thought or said was his repentance to God. I've been asked many times about deathbed confessions. I think they don't happen often, but I think they do happen. It makes no difference how long a person has been a sinner. As long as he accepts Jesus Christ, even in the last breath of life, he can be saved. I remember reading one time of a man who fell off a, a high tower to his death. And the people on the ground watched him fall, but heard every word he said. And his words were, God, be merciful to my poor soul. And he got those words out before he hit the ground. My Bible tells me that that man was saved because he prayed unto God for mercy. I will never forget a few years ago when at Willow Island in Pleasance County they were building that cooling tower for a new power plant. 
I was living in Parkersburg at the time. We lived, matter of fact, just a few miles at that time from, from the, this tower. And two of our neighbors directly across the street were a part of that project. Fifty-two men fell when, that, when the scaffolding in green concrete gave way one morning. And they all tumbled to their deaths. We were never told whether or not there were any words spoken by those men as they fell. But if there were, and I knew a number of those people, I knew the families of, of others of them, if they fell in that short time that they fell from the top of that scaffolding to the floor, and all 52 of them died on impact, any one of those or all 52 of them could have been saved by that prayer, God be merciful to me a sinner. That's all it takes. And God will be merciful and he will reach down off the floor of that tower. He will reach into the depths of the sea and by his own prepared hand, be it a fish or be it his hand or whatever, he will scoop the soul, if not the body, out of the depths of hell and give it eternal life. Well, God heard his prayer. He didn't pray eloquent words. He didn't pray any church prayers. He didn't pray for the people in the Orient and the starving in Africa and the sick in the hospital. He prayed for his poor soul, and that's all. He had not time for an eloquent prayer. He couldn't formulate it into a beautiful poem. He couldn't say words that would touch our hearts and soul. He didn't pray a prayer that would cause us to, to weep tears of joy. It wasn't a prayer that will be recorded and quoted over and over at ceremonies throughout the country or in, in church services. His prayer was not eloquent at all, not beautiful at all. He just prayed to God that God would hear what he had to say and forgive him for his waywardness. He made two promises in the prayer. In verse 9, we have them recorded. The first promise that he made was, Lord, I will sacrifice unto thee. In the Old Testament, that's one of the things they did to, to have their sins forgiven. They offered a sacrifice. And this man, Jonah, is saying, Lord, I will sacrifice for my sin. I will offer a sacrifice. And the second thing he promised, I will pay my vow. Listen, it's dangerous to make a vow to God and not keep it. You might find yourself in the depths of the sea, like Jonah. But Jonah promised that he would pay his vow. And you know the beautiful thing about this whole thing? God heard that prayer. And the next thing we know is that fish gets sick. And the scripture says that the fish vomited Jonah out upon the seashore on dry land. Jonah made the fish sick. That ugly, miserable Jonah made the fish sick. And God said, throw him up regurgitate him, toss him out. I've heard preachers say that when Jonah hit the shore, he, he hit it to run him. I don't know if he did or not. I think if that were me and I were conscious, I'd hit it to run him too. 
And I'd run straight for Nineveh as fast as my feet could go, and I would never look behind me because that was my original destination that God had outlined. And uh, I, like Jonah, had decided that I wasn't going to do that. But God had changed my mind. Listen, if God changes your mind, you're dealing with mighty power. And we better listen the second time. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach about the second call of Jonah. God gave Jonah a chance to do what he was supposed to do the first time and didn't do it. He gave him a chance. And I would hit the shore running. That poor fish, I wonder what he thought. But God made Jonah see the light. Jonah is alive and he has a mission to perform. Every one of us are alive tonight. There may be some of us that will not see the dawning of a new day. The question is, should this be the moment that we're tossed overboard? Are we prepared to pray unto God to forgive us and to set our feet on the path toward our original destination, our original commission, to do what he told us to do? Are you prepared to deal with God in a very personal way? Do you feel that you have sunk pretty deep and you can't go much deeper? Do you feel the world tugging at you and pulling you as if you were going to drown? But listen, there's a way out. And that's turn your eyes toward Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the cares of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. What's your situation tonight? Are you prepared to deal with God on his terms? Are you wayward? Have you been belligerent? Have you rejected him, denied him, refused to obey him? Tonight is the time that maybe you ought to turn your life around and go towards your original destination. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.